Welcome, I'm Cliff Hedges. This is Pastor Cliff's Notes. This is a podcast where we're studying the Bible. We're working our way through the book of Matthew. Today is episode 718, and we're looking at Matthew chapter 4, verses 1 through 11. Let's read the passage. Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. After he fasted forty days and forty nights, he was hungry. Then the tempter approached him and said, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. He answered, It is written, Man must not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city, had him stand on the pinnacle of the temple, and said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, He will give his angels orders concerning you, and they will support you with their hands, so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Jesus told him, It is also written, Do not test the Lord your God. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. And he said to him, I will give you all these things if you will fall down and worship me. Then Jesus told him, Go away, Satan, for it is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve only him. Then the devil left him, and the angels came and began to serve him. This is the Gospel according to Matthew. Matthew's writing this gospel primarily to a Jewish audience, and he's using a lot of Old Testament imagery, a lot of Old Testament quotes. And his goal is for people to see that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, the Savior, and to inspire faith in Jesus. Well, we've seen the birth narrative, and then immediately it jumped into the baptism of Jesus. And at the very end of the account of Jesus' baptism, the voice from heaven came. The Spirit came down like a dove and descended upon Jesus. And the voice said, This is my Son. And so we have Jesus presented as the Son of God. Now immediately we have a challenge to that here in Matthew chapter 4. Now this is generally called the temptation of Jesus. And it's covered in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Mark covers it very briefly, basically says Jesus was led into the wilderness by the Spirit, fasted for 40 days, and was tempted by the devil. And and that's the end of it. Luke and Matthew pretty much say the same thing, except the order's a little different. What Matthew presents as the second event Luke presents as the third event, what Matthew calls the third event, Luke calls the second event, which is right. I go along with those who say Matthew's is the correct order. The order doesn't necessarily matter, but it kind of builds to the challenge of who you will worship, which seems to be the ultimate event. So chapter 4, verse 1. Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. A lot right here, just in those few words. Jesus was led up by the Spirit. So the Holy Spirit led him into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. So God's at work behind all this. This is God's plan unfolding. This isn't Jesus going into the wilderness to have some alone time. Maybe that's what it seemed like. But it says God was behind all this. The Holy Spirit led him up there in order that this would happen. And I have to ask why. So God's plan is being unfolded here. And God's at work here. 
and to be tempted by the devil. Now we see three names for the devil here. In verse 1 he's called the devil. In verse 3 he's called the tempter. In verse 10 he's called Satan. Well, devil is just Greek, and it means accuser in Greek. Satan is Hebrew, and it means accuser in Hebrew. Tempter is generally not a title, it's more a function, something that the devil does. So he's referred to by the Greek word for accuser, the Hebrew word for accuser, and is the tempter. And specifically to be tempted by the devil. We need to talk some about tempted here. The word that gets translated as tempted here, the root word in the Greek is parazo, and it can mean to test to ascertain the quality, to determine if something is true. It can also mean to tempt. So it can mean to tempt. It can mean to test. And remember the imagery that Matthew is presenting here. The imagery here is the people of God, the Israelites, in the wilderness being tested by God. All through Exodus, time and time again, and we see the in the Greek translation of the New Testament, we see this word. Parazzo, God tested the Israelites in the wilderness. But then, like in Exodus 17:2, Moses asks, them, Why are you testing the Lord? So they're not tempting the Lord, they're testing the Lord. When they finally get to Mount Sinai in Exodus 20:20, 20, 20, Moses says to them, Do not fear, for God has come to test you, that the fear of him may be before you, that you may not sin. After the spies come back from checking out the promised land in Numbers 14 and the people fail utterly to follow God and there's a pronouncement that the adults will not enter the promised land, the Lord says, None of the men who have seen my glory and the signs I performed in Egypt and in the wilderness and have tested me these ten times and did not obey me, that they will not enter the promised land. So here he talks about these people have tested me. In 1 Kings 10.1, the Queen of Sheba tested Solomon with difficult questions. Psalm 26.2, test me, Lord, and try me. Examine my heart and mind. In Isaiah 7.12, this is where the king of Israel is told to ask for a sign from God. He says, I will not test the Lord. In Matthew 16, verse 12, the Pharisees and Sadducees tested Jesus by asking him tough questions. And then Jesus says in Matthew 22, 18, why do you test me, you hypocrites? So the word could mean test, the word could mean tempt. And some people say, okay, there's, there's two things here from two perspectives. The devil is there to tempt Jesus. So this is the temptation of Jesus. But at the higher level, he's led there by the Holy Spirit for this purpose, in which case it is testing by the Lord. It's the testing of Jesus by the Father. It's the temptation of Jesus by the devil. Verse 2, after he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. Then the tempter approached him and said, if you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. So he's fast for 40 days and 40 nights, which implies it's an actual time. Sometimes 40 days is just used as a long period of time. Maybe not exactly 40 days, but if, you know, a few weeks. Where here he says 40 days and 40 nights, that implies, okay, it is 40, four zero days and nights. 
And fasting that long? Yeah, he's hungry. Then the tempter approached him. So we have the description of Satan as the tempter there to tempt him and says, if you are the son of God, tell these stones become bread. Point here is he's hungry. If he's really the son of God, there's no reason for him to be hungry. And he has the power to turn the stones into bread. And notice this is a challenge. This is immediately after the baptism of Jesus, where the voice from heaven said, this is my son. We have Jesus presented as the son of God. And here we have a challenge to it. If you really are the son of God, no reason for you to be hungry. Just do this. Make the stones become bread. And there's an image here of the Israelites in the wilderness for the 40 years with being supernaturally fed the manna by God. So if they can do it, why can't Jesus do it? Why shouldn't Jesus do it? Verse 4, he answered, It is written, man must not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. This is a quote from Deuteronomy 8, 3. If we actually read Deuteronomy 8, verses 1 through 3, and remember, Deuteronomy is at the end of the wilderness excursion, the 40 years of the wilderness as they're about to go into the promised land. Moses says, carefully follow every command I'm giving you today so that you may live and increase and may enter and take possession of the land the Lord swore to your ancestors. Remember that the Lord your God led you on the entire journey these 40 years in the wilderness so that he might humble you and test you to know that what was in your heart, whether or not you would keep his commands. He humbled you by letting you go hungry. Then he gave you manna to eat, which you and your ancestors had not known, so that you might learn that man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. So he's referring here to how God had protected them for 40 years. God had fed them for 40 years. And the challenge is do not test the Lord but understand the priorities. What God has said is more important than what God does for you. And so Jesus quotes from Deuteronomy 8, 3 here, and it's about priorities. And he says, man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Verse 5, then the devil took him to the holy city, had him stand on the pinnacle of the temple, and said to him, if you are the son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, he will give his angels orders concerning you, and they will support you with their hands so that you will not strike your foot against the stone. So the holy city, that's Jerusalem. Now, the question's here. Did he really go there physically, or was it more of a, a visionary kind of thing? Either way works. So it, it's not, I don't think, that important. The, the challenge then is in the third one, when the devil took him to a mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. There's not really a mountain that that actually works, that you can go up on a mountain and see all the kingdoms of the world and all their splendor. So is that more of a visionary kind of thing? We have an example in Ezekiel, when Ezekiel is part of the exile in Babylon. Ezekiel 8, verses 1 through 3. In the sixth year, in the sixth month, on the fifth day of the month, I was sitting in my house, and the elders of Judah were sitting in front of me. And there the hand of the Lord God came down on me. I looked, and there was someone who looked like a man. What seemed to be his waist down was fire. 
and from his waist up was something that looked bright, like the gleam of amber. He stretched out what appeared to be a hand and took me by the hair of my head. Then the Spirit lifted me up between earth and heaven and carried me in visions of God to Jerusalem, to the entrance of the inner gate that faces north. So here Ezekiel has this vision where he's transported to the temple in Jerusalem. Could that be the same thing here? It, it could be. And so some want to say it's the, the point the devil's trying to make here is for Jesus to show his power to people, to have a following of people. Others say, well, no, if it's just a vision, then there's nobody there to witness it. So that's not the point. But the, again, the challenge here is, if you are the son of God, throw yourself down. And this would just be to show off, to prove his power. And then the devil quotes scripture, quotes Psalm 91, 11 to 12, about the angels will support you and will not strike your foot against a stone. Verse 7, Jesus told him, It is also written, Do not test the Lord your God. That's a quote from Deuteronomy 6.16. And here, Moses is speaking to the people just before they're about to go in and occupy the promised land. And he says, do not test the Lord your God as you tested him at Massa. He's referring there to Exodus 17, where the people challenged Moses after they left the wilderness of sin and there was no water. Moses cried out to the Lord, what shall I do with these people? In a little while they will stone me. The Lord answered Moses, go on ahead of the people. Take some of the elders of Israel with you. Take the staff you struck the Nile with in your hand and go. I'm going to stand there in front of you on the rock at Horeb. When you hit the rock, water will come out of it and the people will drink. Moses did this in the sight of the elders of Israel. He named the place Massa and Meribah because the Israelites complained because they had tested the Lord, saying, is the Lord among us or not? So Massa is Hebrew. It means testing or trial. Meribah means protest or quarrel. And so the name of these, this place was that they had tested the Lord, challenging, is the Lord really among us? And so that's the quote that Jesus uses here. Do not test the Lord your God. And in the Deuteronomy passage, it says, as they did at Massa. And that was what would be happening if Jesus were just to throw himself off the top of the temple, just to prove that he can. It would be testing the Lord to show is the Lord really among us? Verse 8. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. And he said to him, I will give you all these things if you will fall down and worship me. This is where a lot of people say, okay, this could be a visionary thing because there isn't really a mountain. And maybe he's just speaking hyperbole here that he just took him to a high mountain and showed him the countryside around. Regardless, the offer here is for physical control over these earthly kingdoms. Some implications there. One, that Satan has the authority to actually do this. That's where we often see Satan presented as the ruler of the world. And so, is he actually able to deliver on this offer? Then the, the big thing, that's if you will fall down and worship me. And that's where we see the, the really the culmination of this. It's not just to get Jesus to sin, but to get him to actually fall down and worship Satan. 
Verse 10, Then Jesus told him, Go away, Satan, for it is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve only him. And this is a quote from Deuteronomy 6, 13. Verse 11, Then the devil left him, and angels came and began to serve him. And this sounds a lot like Elijah in 1 Kings 19, where Elijah fasted for 40 days and the angels came and tended to him. Actually, at the beginning of that 40-day fast. There's a lot of parallels here. One thing I don't want to miss is that the second one where he says, if you're the Son of God, throw yourself down. The very end of the Gospel of Matthew when Jesus is on the cross, the people are going to be saying, if you're really the Son of God, come down from the cross. If we do a comparison of Israel in the wilderness. Now, the wilderness time is after the Exodus. They come out of Egypt. They go to Mount Sinai. They spend some time at Mount Sinai. Moses receives the law from God. This is how you're going to live as my people. They then go to Kadesh Barnea. The spies go into the promised land, and they're all poised to go in and occupy the promised land. But the spies come back and say, it's pretty scary. And the people chicken out and say, we don't know that God can deliver on this. Let's go back to Egypt and be slaves again. And that's where God says, okay, you guys are going to spend 40 years in the wilderness so that this unbelieving generation can die in the wilderness and the next generation can go in and occupy the promised land. Four years in the wilderness that we read about in primarily in the book of Numbers and it ends in Deuteronomy. Then they go into the promised land. Israel is in the wilderness for 40 years. Here in this passage, Jesus is in the wilderness for 40 days. Israel is in the wilderness being tested by God. Here Jesus is in the wilderness being tested by God, tempted by Satan. Israel, it's the Exodus event, the coming out of Egypt to go to the promised land. Jesus is presented as leading the new Exodus event, coming from slavery to sin and coming into the kingdom of God. Israel's led by Moses. Here we see Jesus as the new Moses. So the imagery of the Israelites in the wilderness and their being tested by God and failing again and again versus Jesus in the wilderness being tempted by Satan, tested by God, but succeeding again and again. And what's really the big test in both cases? It's do you trust God? Will you follow God? Will you do what God has told you to do? These quotes are all from Deuteronomy 6 to 8. Or the beginning of Deuteronomy 6, we have what's called the Shema. Shema is the Hebrew for listen. And this was something that the Jews were supposed to recite daily. Deuteronomy 6, 4 and 5. Listen, Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. That's the Shema. Listen, Israel. And that's what's being tested here, is do you really love the Lord with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength? Will you really do what God has called you to do? The Israelites couldn't do it. They're fallen sinful people. But Jesus did do it. He remained faithful. So this isn't just an account of Satan trying to trip up Jesus. 
He is. But the imagery behind it, showing the comparison of the failure of the people of God in the wilderness versus the obedience, faithfulness, and success of Jesus as the Son of God. Thanks for joining me. Join me again next time as we continue working through Matthew.